He writes about taking statins and the Stanley Cup. You are listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Steve McKee, Global Copy Desk Editor at the Wall Street Journal and author of the new book, My Father's Heart, A Son's Journey. Mr. McKee, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you, Susan. Appreciate it. Your paternal grandfather died of a heart attack at 53. Your father died of a heart attack at 50, and you discovered you had heart disease at the age of 52. How is your health now? It's good. I kept myself in really good shape, and the doctor had said to me when I was you know, getting the diagnosis that although we couldn't be sure, the fact that I had kept myself in very good shape over a very long period of time, that was probably the reason I was there to be getting the diagnosis. In a worst-case scenario was I was going to be sitting there having already had a heart attack, and they were trying to figure out what to do next, or a real good possibility that I wouldn't be here at all. I would already have had the heart attack that killed me. You write about why it was so hard for you to take a statin. Tell us more. It was very difficult on on a number of different levels to realize that I needed to go on a statin. When I was sitting there getting the the diagnosis, the doctor is clicking on the computer screen from these black and white images of the heart, one to the other, and suddenly here is this line of white. I mean, it was just clear what was going on here. The the doctor's very chatty, but when this came on, he just shut up. Didn't have to say anything, and he knew it because I knew exactly what it was. It was absolutely, utterly devastating because I had spent all this time keeping myself in really good shape, eating as best I could. So I think that's what happened was, you know, I get this diagnosis. I have heart disease. I came to the PLC in really excellent shape. I was eating well, if not, you know, in the excellent category. I didn't smoke. I work at the Wall Street Journal, which which sounds like it should be real stressful, and, and I imagine that it is, but I've just never felt that it was. So I didn't really think that I had a whole lot of choice except to go on a statin because uh, I knew if I was going to try to go on one of those really extreme diets that, that I think actually can really do what they say they can do in terms of, you know, lowering cholesterol. I just didn't see how I could do that for the next 25 years. So it was very difficult to accept having to go on a statin. In a certain sense, I also felt that I'd let my dad down. I had made a promise to him, to me, and then eventually to my son, Patrick, that I would keep myself in shape, that I would do everything I could to avoid the same fate that I watched when my father died. And, and so there was a feeling that, well, if I have heart disease, then I failed. I, I, I failed at what I was doing, and that I am, in fact, just like my dad. And eventually, I, I came to appreciate that I'm, in fact, not like my dad. I had promised myself that I would do what he never did, which was to try to avoid this family gene. On the same time, though, to go to a statin, in a weird sort of way, because my dad did not have statins available to him, there was a little stupid part of me that thought, well, then I shouldn't take it either. You know, I should be able to lick this on my own. And so it was, it was very difficult for me to, to make the decision that in the real world, I had to go on a statin. In writing about your resistance to taking a statin, you made an analogy to the Stanley Cup. Tell us about that. Well, I love how the hockey tradition, when, when a team finally wins it, they pass the cup around first to the captain, and then the captain hands it to a, uh, a very significant member of the team, and he parades it around in the ice. I actually can't remember what year it was, but a couple of years ago, the Avalanche, the Colorado Avalanche won, and they handed the cup to Ray Bork. And he had been a long, long, long time Boston Bruin and had twice been in the Stanley Cup Finals but had never won. And at age 39, he finally asked for his release and, you know, and to try to get him to a team that could win. And he gets there, 
and he, he wins the cup in Colorado. And there's another really great tradition that the, the, the Stanley Cup has, and that is that every member of the team gets the cup for one day and can do anything they want with it. What he did, what Ray Bork did, is he went back to Boston and had a quote-unquote reception, I think at City Hall, and 15,000 people showed up. And, 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 and to me, that's what going on to Staten was like. It, you know, I, I realized that I had indeed sort of triumphed. I had won. The doctor had told me I am probably still alive because I kept myself in great shape. But now I had to go on the Staten, and like Ray Bork, I, you know, he had finally won, but he just hadn't won exactly the way he thought he would. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Steve McKee, discussing his new book, My Father's Heart, A Son's Journey. Mr. McKee, you interviewed a lot of doctors for the book in an attempt to understand what happened to your father. What did you discover? What I did is I talked to about a dozen doctors to ask them to diagnose how my father died. I sort of gave them the scenario of the night and sort of my father's lifestyle and all that sort of thing. And I actually thought what I was going to get was they were going to tell me specifically what happened. We don't have the autopsy report. We just have the death certificate, and then it says post-right coronary occlusion. And so I, I got a full realm, a full spectrum of, of possibilities, you know, from the uh, aortic dissection, peritonitis with, that he had had a heart attack, a couple of weeks before, I learned from a friend of my dad's that they had been out fishing, and my dad had literally not been able to get himself out of the stream after, you know, when there was time to go home. And then once he got out of the stream, he needed assistance walking up the hill to the car. And, and one doctor felt that that's actually when he had the heart attack and that this was sort of a second heart attack or, or just sort of the final part of the, of the heart attack he'd had before. And a couple of doctors said it couldn't have been post-right coronary uh, occlusion. That wouldn't, that wouldn't have killed him, wouldn't have been enough. Had to be the widowmaker, that sort of thing. And, and, and sort of what I got was, you know, Steve, you're never going to know exactly what it was you saw that night. Tell us about the doctor who told you that the medical profession is not aggressive enough in making a cardiac heart disease diagnosis early enough. The one doctor in particular really felt that, that there just isn't enough preemptive. We, we, we need to make much more of a preemptive strike in terms of, of heart attacks because... With, with the right kind of lifestyle changes and, and getting in shape and that sort of thing, you can avoid this. And, uh, and he, he really felt that, that you needed to get really aggressive. And it may have been the same doctor. There's also another doctor who feels that so, for someone like me, my father died of a heart attack, my grandfather died of a heart attack, my great-grandfather died, we think, probably of a stroke, and my great-great-grandfather in 1896 died of valvular heart disease. So it's a pretty straight shot to me. He feels someone like me should go on a, on a statin preemptively at, say, age 20. So your first symptom won't be your last. Right, right. Because of your experience, what changes would you like to see made in this country when it comes to preventing heart disease? I, I, I liken it a lot to smoking. I mean, I, there's still way too many people to smoke. It's about 20%, but it used to be about 50%. And so, you know, you can claim some victory in, in terms of, of how many people no longer smoke. And a lot of that is education. And, and I think you need to bring the education way down into the, you know, to the kindergarten level and start working it there and, and, and start bringing it forward. You don't want to tell a fourth grader that you're, you're throwing away some kind of biodegradable something in the wrong way because they're getting this information now in school. And I think that's what we need to do with heart disease is, is, is we need to take it all the way down into the schools, 
you know, whatever, however appropriately it works at the youngest possible age, and sort of just start building, you know, layer upon layer of knowledge and education as kids get older. Tell us the story about your coach. Coach Forgen. I actually just saw him two weeks ago. My dad died on Tuesday, September 30th, and I was out of school for, the, for a full week and didn't get back to school until Tuesday, whatever that is, October 7th. So I get back to school and everything is, is completely discombobulated. You know, although in a way, as I say in the book, I, I was at the center of the, you know, of the York Catholic solar system for that day just because, you know, because my father had died. It was a weird, a weird reason to be getting all the, uh, all the attention, but I liked it. You know, it was, you know, I'm a senior in high school and a lot of kids coming up to me and it just, it, that felt good. So anyway, I'm in seventh period study hall, which for some reason I'm in the study hall all by myself. And suddenly at the door is standing Coach Jim Forgen. He's the boys' basketball coach, but, but more to the point, he's also and has been for just two years the school disciplinarian. And everybody thought when he became the school disciplinarian this was a really crazy thing to do because Coach was this he was a real wonderful, wild man of a coach, real dedicated, but just real crazy on the sidelines and the whole bit. And who, how could this guy be the school disciplinarian, you know, if he can't discipline himself? Anyway, with, he just took over the school, just ruled the place. You know, every school should have a guy like Coach Jim Forgen who, who, you know, just, you know, could strike terror in your heart. So anyway, he's standing at the door, and he says, Steve, get in my office. So, of course, I just get right into his office, sit down in this tiny little office with his big desk. He then proceeds to ignore me completely. You know, he's shuffling papers, doing something. And then finally he just says, how you doing? And... And, and I say, or I try to say, I'm okay, coach. But I barely get the words out of, out of my mouth. And he goes, and he just swats them out of the air. No, you're not. You're not okay. Your father just died. Your father just died, and you'll never get over it. Boom. I mean, it was, it was a stunning, you know, the bluntness of it was just stunning. I mean, he was a genius in how he just was able to handle me, handle kids. And the bluntness of that statement just, just took all of the tension out of the air from the last week. There was just something about the way he said it. It was just so brutally honest. You know, your father just died, and you'll never get over it. And then nothing happens for another couple minutes. And then he just kind of leans into me, and he says it again. Your father just died, and you'll, and you'll never get over it, but you will get used to it. And, and obviously, I've just, I've just never forgotten that. And then with that, of course, he just I mean, he scribbles out a hall pass, now get out of here, you know? And I ended up spending seventh period study halls, you know, with him that whole year. And I just lived for study hall. It, it sort of, you know, he dragged me kicking and screaming through that year. And, uh, and obviously I've never forgotten what he said. And I've had people, my wife has a cousin whose, whose mother died recently. And when she was in the final throes, I was talking to the one son. And he just looked at me with tears in his eyes. And he just said, he said, what your coach said to you is profound. And, and it is. And, you know, and maybe I've never, you know, as a 16-year-old, I don't, I don't know if I appreciated it, but I do now. And, and he's just, like I said, every, every school needs a coach forging. Steve McKee, thank you so much for joining us to discuss your new book, My Father's Heart, A Son's Journey. Thanks for having me. And again, love the Stanley Cup. Appreciate it. <laughs> 
I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library of on-demand podcasts, or call us toll-free with your comments and suggestions at 888-MD-XM157. Thank you for listening.